How many of you remember the Dixons? How many of you remember the Dixons? Yeah, many of you uh, probably remember them. Alex was a uh, an unbeliever who was uh, dating someone in our church, and he went from there, getting saved, uh, and then became a member of our church, and then became a leader in our church, and now he uh, he's been sent out by our church to go plant a church in Pittsburgh. Uh, Alex's story is a story that we want to be repeated in everyone's life. Not necessarily the part where you go plant a church in Pittsburgh, but the story of getting saved and uh, coming to know Jesus and following him and then living on mission for God. In fact, we do a lot here at Stephen Street to try to help you walk that path and to try to mobilize you and help you become uh, mission-minded in the way that Jesus wants you to be. One of the ways that we do that is we have a special Sunday each year, which is this Sunday, that we just call our Go Launch. And uh, it's the Sunday where we present to you um, a lot of different things about what we're going to do next year. So you had an insert in your bulletin. Uh, this, uh, this shows you all of the... Now, this is, this is subject to change. Uh, dates are subject to change. Leaders are subject to change. Things can be added, taken away. This is our plan right now to go to the nations for next year. And we set aside one Sunday a year where we hand this out to you, where we kind of emphasize this, we talk about that. That's, that's part of what we do for Go Launch. There are several people that went on these trips last year. If you went on a mission trip last year, please do me a favor and stand up. Most of you probably have your t-shirts on. Uh, even if you don't, or even if you didn't go through a mission, through, a mission trip through us, if you went on a mission trip last year, uh, if you would stand up. So all these people, uh, they participated uh, in God's global mission. Many of them, most of them, probably all of them, through Stephen Street. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you have a, a question about going on mission and you would say, man, I'm kind of scared to reach out to Rick. He might just reel me in. And next thing I know, I'm on an airplane. You might say, I just don't know if I'm ready to do that, but I want, want to ask some questions. Go to one of these people that stood up. Go to one of these people that you see in these multicolored T-shirts, these uh, different colored T-shirts, and they can, tell you, uh, they can tell you a little more about what that's like. So uh, these are the trips that we put in your bulletin for next year. And we're really hoping to have double the number next year uh, that we had this year. We obviously want more and more people to go. We also want to ask you to pray about what you would give to help us, to help people like this, go on mission. And so uh, starting today, and we do this every year, uh, starting today, we are launching what we call a special emphasis on our Go Offering. The Go Offering is going to be a major part of, of, of sending people on mission. Now, usually Rick Lowhorn is the one that stands up here and holds up the form and talks about all this, but he's actually on mission today. Uh, he planned this whole deal uh, and didn't show up for it. You know, can you, can you believe that? He planned this whole deal and uh, planned all these trips and didn't show up for it. But he gets to go on mission, and I get to be up here talking about it today. So, uh, yeah, go figure. Um, I, I wish we could have swapped that. Like I could have gone, he could have uh, been up here talking to you today. But uh, appreciate him, appreciate all his work. But I want you to pray about maybe something that the Lord would lead you to give to our Go offering. Um, our Go offering goes to help primarily help support people like you who would sign up and say, I'll go. I've, I've, seen, what, I've, I've seen the list of trips. Here's where God's drawn my heart. 
I'll go. If you need it, if you apply for it, then that's one of the things that the Go offering helps. It helps to offset those costs of people who want to go, but they don't have the financial need. And so, uh, but it also goes to a lot of other things, and it really helps to support the mission of our church in general. So please pray about where the Lord would lead you to go next year. Also pray about what maybe the Lord would lead you to give uh, this Christmas, anytime between now and Christmas, would lead you to give to help other people go. So please uh, pray about those things. Okay, so today I'm going to start a new sermon series. I'm going to start a new sermon series entitled The Church. This sermon series is going to coincide with our mission emphasis, with our go offering, and also with the celebration, the month-long celebration of our 75th birthday as a church. So all of these are going to kind of go together, this sermon series, and all of those things between now and Christmas, they're going to kind of go together. And basically what we're going to look at in this series is we're going to study a lot about what the Bible says about church. Some of us, if we're not careful, we kind of have a... Uh, we kind of have a, a bad view of the church because maybe we had some bad experiences or we have a limited view of the church because we've only, I mean, like myself, I, I've only been a member of Southern Baptist churches, just what I've always been a part of. Um, that, uh, that, if I'm not careful, that can lead to me not seeing the whole body of Christ. So we're going to talk about what the Bible says about church rather than just looking at churches around us and our previous experience. We're going to see what the Bible says that a church should be and what a church should do. And, of course, we're also going to look specifically and talk specifically about our church. Uh, we just can't do one without the other. Now, I catch myself doing, some thing, doing something sometimes, and I want, you to, I want you guys to help me with this. And I bet, if you're honest, you would probably confess that you do this too. Okay? I, a lot of times, I will use the term church wrongly. I will say things like, I am going to church, or I am in church, things like that. Or I would say, hey, we're just having church. Anybody else catch themselves doing that? Well, you might say to yourself, well, what's wrong with that? In a technical sense, the church, when, we, when the Bible talks about church in the New Testament, it's not an action. Like, we sang a great song, Jesus saves. And man, while we sang that song, we were just having church up in here. Come on, how many of you say that? We're having church up in here. Um, uh, that's, that's kind of not really the way that we should use it. And church is not a building. Church is not a location. So we can't really be in church. We can't really go to church. We can worship with the church. We can gather with the church. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that church is a word that is used to describe the people of God. That's really important. Um, this building is not a church. Not, not from a New Testament standpoint. This building is not a church. The church gathers and is sitting in the pews within this building. And I think that even though we know that from an intellectual standpoint and from our, stu our study of the New Testament, if we're not careful, we begin, can begin to see church as something other than the people and a movement to which God has called it. And really there's two ways that you can think about church. You can think about all the people of God of all time. This is what we would call the universal church. This is everyone who belongs to God. This church has not been gathered yet. 
but it's written about in the book of Revelations when we're all gathered around the ones uh, around the throne. All the called out ones are going to be assembled together uh, in the universal church. However, you're still a member. If you're a Christian, you're still a member of that universal church. If you know Jesus as Savior, uh, then you are a member of the universal church. But typically what we're talking about and what the Bible speaks about a lot whenever we talk about church is we're talking about a local church. A local group, people that are together, people that associate with one another, that know one another. A local church of Jesus followers, people who follow Jesus. Um, after all, you have to be a member of the universal church to really be a member of a local church. Um, and, here's, and here's what I want to point out today. And I, by, by the way, I offer this to you as a, a, a simplistic definition of what a local church is. It is a local group of people who follow Jesus and who unite for worship and mission. That's really what I want to talk to you about today. When you boil church down to its core and you say, uh, we know what a church is, it's the people, but what do those people do? What do they gather and assemble themselves? What's the, what's the whole mission and purpose of it? You can really boil it down to those two things. Worship and mission. We gather together for worship and then we scatter to expand the worship of God globally. You just can't get more of a simple definition of the mission and purpose of the church than that. Everything that we do should be caught up in those two things, worship and mission. So there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, several topics that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. I'll just flash them up on the screen for you. These are going to be interwoven in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different sermons. I'm not going to necessarily be marching through one book, although today, I'm going to, you know where I'm going today. Matthew chapter 28, you can open your Bibles there, uh, Matthew chapter 28. But I'll be in different parts of the New Testament and maybe even the Old Testament as we talk about many of these things. And some of these topics, will, I'll have just one sermon devoted uh, to, to, to one of those topics. But today I want to talk about the mission of the church, the purpose of the church, specifically worship and mission with really a heavy emphasis on the idea of mission. And I want to read Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. So take your copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, get one off the pew back, uh, the back of the pew there. But stand with me. As we read what I hope is a very familiar passage to all of you, a passage that contains verses that I really hope you have memorized. Um, and by the way, I said this to the first service. I've noticed that a lot of the scriptures that we memorize tend to be related to the blessings of Christianity and not so much to its obligations. Have, have you ever noticed that? Think about, think about the verses that you like to read and the verses that you memorize. Uh, probably that they're a lot related to the blessings of Christianity more than to the obligations and commands of Christianity. This is a command, I would say the central command, a central command that is at the heart of the purpose of, should be of every church, and I hope um, for our church. And it says this, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. They were having a mountaintop experience, right? And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There's our mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And how long should this commandment, this commission last? How long should we be doing it as a church? It answers that question. He says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this great commission that you have given to us. Help us to be obedient to it. Uh, help us to uh, be fruitful in it. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. What would you say is the greatest problem in our world? I think if you were to ask that question to different people in different situations, you would probably get a variety of answers. What is the greatest problem that exists in our world? Well, if you were in a political situation, they might you know, quote a former president and say, it's the economy, stupid. Or perhaps maybe you would think, oh no, all these wars that take place. That's one of the greatest problems that we have. Or you might say, I don't know, but the greatest problem that I have in the world is I have a sickness or a disease. Or maybe gas prices or the cost of a gallon of milk. You would say, man, that's a big problem. I, I think if you ask that question to different people in different contexts, depending on where you are and who you're with, you said, what is the greatest problem that exists in the world? You would get a variety of answers. But I read something this past week on the website of the International Mission Board that made it so simple, and it said that the greatest problem in the world is lostness. The greatest problem in the world is that there are multiple billions of people that are living without a relationship with Jesus, and that by the hundreds of thousands, they are sliding into eternity without a relationship with God. And when you think about that problem, when you think about the problem of lostness, and when you, when you think about how eternity is at stake, then any other trivial economic or philosophical or governmental answer just doesn't seem like much of a problem anymore. In fact, we, if, if we have a Christian worldview, we might be inclined to say that all of the problems that we see that exist here on the earth are really because of the ultimate problem that exists in the world, and that is the lostness, the state of lostness in the hearts of people because of sin. So what do we do? What is God's answer to this problem of lostness? It's very simple. Hey, God has given us the provision of Jesus on a cross who has died for our sins and then he has gathered those of us together who has believed that message and has sent us on a mission to tell a lost world that there's a solution. That is God's answer to the problem of lostness. You and I telling the world about Jesus. That is our mission. If there is anything else that is at the heartbeat of a church, that is more than that, that church is misguided. If there is anything that your Christianity is driving you to more 
then the mission of God that Jesus has given to us, there's something wrong with what is happening. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. We are obligated. I believe that this command that Jesus has given to us, this obligation is as binding upon us as any other commandment of Scripture. Whether it be the Ten Commandments or something that Jesus has said on the Sermon on the Mount or any other command that we might point to in the Old Testament or the New Testament, this, this command that Jesus has given to us is as binding as any other commandment that He has given to us. And we call it the Great Commission, the greatest task that He has given to us. And you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't pray about commands. When you're told to do something, you may pray about how, but you don't pray about if. You don't say, hmm, Lord, does that apply to me? Do you want me to make disciples of all nations? We don't pray that prayer. That prayer has already been pre-answered. Yes, the answer is yes. God has commanded it. And what we do is we come to him in prayer and we say, God, how? Based upon who I am, based upon what you have commanded me to do, based upon the resources that I have, based upon where I'm positioned upon the globe and the time period that I live in, and based upon what you are doing in your kingdom right now, God, how do you want me to be obedient to the great commission that you have given to me? How, how, many, of you, how many of you believe in an inerrant Bible? Oh, where's that? How many of you believe in an inerrant Bible? Amen? We believe that everything that God says is true. If this is your Bible, and if you believe that it is infallible, that God will never lead you astray if you follow His Word, then you have to say that this is a commandment that was given to me. And here's our mission. Our mission is to make disciples. Disciple-making is our mission. Jesus has commanded us to go make disciples. He hasn't commanded us to just sit and soak and sour in a building. He has called us to go and to make disciples. He's called you to go to your neighbor. He's called you to, he's called you to go to your school. He's called you to go to, your, uh, go to the town uh, next door. He's called you to, to, to go across the nation, across the world, across the state. He's called you to go and make disciples. This verse not only tells us what to do, but it also actually tells us how to do it. I love it whenever God does that. I love it whenever God, whenever God gives us a command and he says, okay, now here's how you do it and here's how you know whenever it's done. He tells us to baptize them and to teach them. And basically, basically what this is, this is Christians sharing the verbal message about Jesus, sharing the gospel, teaching people to follow Jesus, and then inviting them to join in the global mission of God. And to that end, I want to give you a definition of what a disciple is. It's very simple. I offer this to you as a very simple definition of what a disciple is based upon the Great Commission. 
And it is a born-again, because we don't baptize anybody unless they're born again, a born-again, obedient follower of Jesus that lives on mission. This gives us the pattern. We share the gospel, they get saved, we teach them how to be obedient to Jesus, they start following him, we teach them the commands of Christ, which is to go and make disciples, and they join in the mission. And the circle continues, the cycle just continues to perpetuate itself. It has been my experience that some people try to categorize these things. They say, well, I like doing evangelism, but I'm not so good at teaching people the Bible. Or I like going on mission, but I'm not real good at the, at the, at the, at the other stuff. I want to suggest to you today that verbal evangelism, teaching people, which normally we call discipleship, but I'll just call it teaching people the commands of Christ so that they'll follow him, and going on mission are all the same thing. And if we're lacking any of that, it's not disciple-making. We're not making disciples unless we are producing people that are born again, they're following Christ, and they're living on mission. But it is possible for our life to get bogged down in the process. It is possible for us to say, okay, I made a profession of faith and I got saved, but I haven't really been following like I should. Well, if you're not following like you should, then you're probably not going to live on mission like you should. And there's always going to be something unfulfilling and missing about your spiritual life. But I have a feeling that many of you would say, I've been born again and I'm saved and I am learning about Christ and coming to church. But some of you might say, man, this whole missions thing, I'm just not bought in. Some of you might say, this whole missions thing, this whole getting on an airplane and going to a long way away, I'm just not so sure that that's me. Well, I want to point you again to God's inerrant word that you said a moment ago that you believe is infallible and inerrant, and we will see that Jesus has commanded us to do cross-cultural disciple-making. Cross-cultural disciple-making. Jesus said, go to all nations. This gives you the authority to go anywhere on this globe and share the verbal message about Jesus. Anywhere on this globe. Who owns this world? God is the creator and owner of this world, and he has commanded and commissioned us to go to all nations. Not some nations, not a few nations, not the nations that it's easy for us to go to. He has given us authority, regardless of man-made laws, to go anywhere on the globe and to spread the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And this is actually at the heart of the command. The heart of the disciple-making command is all nations. It doesn't say, go make disciples of your kids. It doesn't say, go make disciples of people in your town. It doesn't say, oh, y'all just hang around real close where you don't have to go very far and just make disciples of the people around you. Those people that are far away, somebody will make disciples of them. No, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. You see, if you start there, you're obviously gonna you're obviously gonna do missions everywhere. You're gonna do it home and away. This is my point is we don't have the option of saying my mission is only local and confined. If you say that, you're not on Jesus' mission. Jesus has said all 
nations. And I'm so glad that those disciples that heard this on that mountaintop experience didn't just sit back and say, you know what, boys, let me tell you what, Jerusalem, man, it's a mess right now. We just, we got enough work to do around here. We just need, there's plenty of people around here need to know Jesus. We just need to hang out with them. I'm so glad those 12 disciples didn't say, man, I'll tell you what, our country, man, it's all jacked up. We got so much work to do here. We just, we just need to stay here and just be on mission right here, man. We got a lot of work to do right here at home. Now, while that might be a true statement, that does not take away from the command that Jesus has said. And I'm so glad that they didn't do that because if they would have done that, you and I never would have heard the gospel. You and I never would have heard the gospel if somebody wouldn't cross, wouldn't have crossed a very, very difficult barrier. And that's what Jesus is telling you to do. That's what he's telling us to do. That's what he's telling his church to do, is to cross barriers. You see, when you go to other nations, and, and by the way, this is not nation with borders. This is other people groups. When you go and try to share the gospel with other people groups, people that don't look like you, act like you, think like you, talk like you, dress like you, eat the same food as you, you can find these, listen, you can find these people right here in our town as well as all over the globe. This means different people groups, not just the borders, um, uh, the borders of nations. But we have to cross barriers. Jesus is saying, go across barriers. Go across physical barriers. Go across oceans and streams. Travel across rivers and, and hills and mountains. Go over those physical barriers and share the gospel with all people groups. Jesus, what he means right here is he's saying, hey, go across those cultural barriers. You know, those uncomfortable barriers where those people, they don't act like you. They don't think like you. They look at the world differently than you. They have a different religion than you do. They dress differently than you do. They eat different food. They live in different types of dwellings. Jesus is saying, cross that barrier with the gospel. Jesus is saying, we want you to, he wants you to cross linguistic barriers. People that you can't even communicate with. You can't even talk and have a conversation with them. Learn how to cross that barrier. The majority of lost people are in difficult places. This is why we have a team right now in Romania. We also go to India and Africa. But God has also called us to go to other places. He's called us to go to all nations like Afghanistan, Turkey, China, Canada. Even some of the most strange and exotic places on earth like California. God has called us to go to places like that. Here's some, here's some numbers for you. There's 34,000. Many of you, if you've been here a while, I've showed you these before. And by the way, these numbers keep getting bigger. There's 34,000 people who live in the city limits of Cookville. Are all of them in church right now, you think? Do all of them know Jesus? Are all of them walking with Jesus? There's 80,000. These are round numbers. 80,000 people in Putnam County. When I started doing this 10 or 15 years ago, there were 5 million people in the state of Tennessee or somewhere thereabout. Now there are 6.7 million people in our state. There are 330 million people in the United States. Conservative estimates say that probably only maybe 30% of them are Bible-believing, cross-bearing, Jesus-loving, born-again believers in Jesus. 20%, 30%, I would say that's a stretch. 
7.7 people globally. You do some research, it wasn't that long ago that there were only 5 billion people globally. About 4.5 billion people on our globe, including all these places that I've mentioned. We can look at it as Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost. 4.5 billion people on this planet do not have a relationship with Jesus. They are lost. And Jesus has said, go get them. Jesus has said, go tell them about the gospel. Go tell them. He said, go tell them about me. Isn't Jesus worthy of their praise? Isn't the Jesus that you love and serve, that you cherish, don't you want them to have what you have? This is what Jesus has called us to do. And so here's a missional vision that I have given to our church. Uh, several years ago, I presented this to you. This is based upon the Great Commission. What if we could make 100,000 disciples by 2040? You say, no, wait a minute. Um, there's not 100,000 people in Putnam County. Exactly. Our vision has to be bigger than just people right here in our own, in our own city. We have to think globally about what God has called us to do. What if we could get to heaven? And listen, we don't have a spreadsheet somewhere. We can't keep track of this, but God knows. What if we could get to heaven one day and Jesus could say, Man, Stephen Street, y'all made 100,000 disciples and more. What if we could rejoice with people in heaven who would say, I was one of those people that got saved because, of, because Stephen Street sent someone like Alex Dixon to go plant a church. Or because Stephen Street supported people like Laura Yaki to go and to, to minister to kids in Rwanda. Or because people on staff at Stephen Street like Rick Lowhorn got on an airplane and went to Romania. And all I could give multiple examples. And all of you who stood up and all the places that you have been last year and all the places that many of you will go next year and the ripple effect of that. What if we could do that by 2040? I've given my life to this vision. I mean, I don't want to put an end date. I don't want to put an expiration date on myself, but I'm going to be old in 2040. Y'all going to be like, get that old guy. We need, we, we need, some, uh, we need some young guy. We need to go find one of these college students that's gone to seminary and let him bring, bring, bring them back and let them, let them preach now. One of these students. What if one of these students, I, and by the way, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how many future pastors, church planters, missionaries, deacons, life group leaders that we have sitting on these front pews right there. These are your kids, and I want to give them over to this mission. I want to, I want to give them over to the mission, to the Great Commission that God has given to you. I wonder how many of these college students, I wonder how many of them, I know some of them already feel a call. I know some of them are already pursuing that call. I want to give my life, I want to give your kids, I want you to give your heart and soul behind the missional vision that is before you today. And we have a plan. We've tried the best we can. We're fallible human beings. We have a plan to try to help you get there. And we just, we simply call it the discipleship pathway. This is patterned after the Great Commission. We want people to get saved and come to church. We want them to find community and learn the Bible. We want them to get into a D group where they can begin to teach other people the Bible. 
And then we want you to impact the world through serving in our church, through evangelizing people in our city, and then being involved in missions all over the world. We don't want you to just stop at the first step, hey, I come to church and that's it. We don't want you to stop at the second step, oh, I found me a good life group and it feels good and warm up in here and it's great. We, we don't want you to stop at even this third step to where you take some people that you're comfortable with, three to five people, and y'all all read the Bible together and talk. No, we want you to impact the world. We want you to impact the world. We want you to pursue a missional vision with all of us. We want you to pursue the Great Commission because Jesus has commanded it. I just want to share one more thing because I feel like this is so pertinent when we talk about, I said at the beginning that the whole point of the church is worship and mission. I really think those two are connected. I really think if you do one right, worship, I think it automatically turns you into a missional creature. I don't think it's possible to celebrate the gospel that saved you without not wanting to be on mission to share the gospel with other people so that, so that they might be saved. And here's, here's what we see with the Great Commission. I want you to, in your imagination, I want you to travel back with me to that mountain with those disciples. And we read in verse 17, they went to Galilee and they were on a mountain somewhere. I want you to, I want you to imagine yourself. You're one of these disciples. You've lived with Jesus for three years. You have seen him do amazing things. You've seen him heal people. You've seen him feed people. You've heard some of the greatest teaching imaginable. And I want you to imagine in that moment, you are worshiping the resurrected Jesus who has appeared to you before he has ascended into heaven. I want you to imagine with me what that would be like to be worshiping Him in such a pure way, worshiping Him in such a magnificent way, experiencing and encountering His presence probably more deeply than you ever have before. And then I want you to imagine you're one of those disciples and Jesus says, go make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. We see this link between worship and mission. And we also see this link between God's presence that we experience in worship and God's presence that is promised whenever we live on mission. Jesus said, hey, this is not it. He said, I've been with you these three years you fully understand who I am now. You're worshiping me in this moment. He says, but listen, do you want to continue experiencing my presence? Do you want to continue to have me present with you in this life? He said, I'm going to be with you always. This is a promise when they go on mission. This doesn't mean that they just sit around and do nothing. No, he promises to be with them as they go on mission. Imagine being one of these disciples and saying, man, that was a good three years, boys. That was great. Let's go back to Jerusalem and uh, let's just gather together and uh, let's just have church together. And, uh, you know, Jesus wants you to do more 
then just try to make your way through this life as comfortably as you can on your way to heaven. He wants you to live on mission. He's called you to live on mission. This is why churches die, by the way. Churches die because they don't live on mission. Christians have the presence of God dry up in their life because they stop living on mission. My, my invitation to you today is real simple. I just want you to pray about one of three things. I want you to ask yourself, are you a disciple? Are you a born-again, obedient follower of Jesus that lives on mission? Are you a disciple? And number two, I want you to ask yourself, are you living on mission? Are you living on mission? And number three, I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to pray about, where is God calling you to go next year? It may not be on one of these trips. I'm not saying that you have to go, please don't hear me say that, that you have to go on one of these trips in order to be living on mission. You ask God, He'll tell you. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. I dare you. I dare you to ask God what He wants you to do missionally. I dare you. All you type A people, I can just feel you out there going, ooh, game on. God's going to win that game. He's going to tell you. The Lord will tell you. I dare you to ask him. I dare you to ask him. With an open heart, with a pure heart, saying, God, you show me. What what do you want me to do? I'm going to put my yes on the table. Say, God, the answer is yes. I don't even know what you're going to ask. But the answer is yes. I'll write a blank check. Would you be bold enough to pray that prayer? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I want you to pray about one of these things, one of these three things. Are you a disciple? Are you living on mission? God, where do you want me to go? Let's start with are you a disciple? None of this mission stuff is going to make any sense to you whatsoever. None of it's going to have any meaning to you unless you are a born-again follower of Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again. And maybe the first place that you need to go on mission is your own soul. You see, the mission has to start in you. you don't know Jesus, just call upon Him. If you mean it in your heart, God will save you. You call on Jesus and you mean it. It's true. And for the Christians in the room, which is the vast majority of you, I, I just I just want to ask you will, you, will you ask, will you ask Jesus, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I put my yes on the table before I even know. The answer is yes, God. Send me. You spend a a few moments just praying. If you want to come to the altar and kneel and bow, you can do that. Andy's going to lead us in a song. You can kneel and bow and pray during that song. You just spend some time.